I pray, Lord, as a people that we would see, Lord, that we haven't done what you have called us to do. And that you would give us the strength, Lord, that only comes through Jesus to take a stand for you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts this morning. As Brother Kyle prayed in Brother Marvin's office, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon us this morning. That we would hear your word, Lord, that you would use Brother Marvin as a vessel. But I've prayed that prayer so many times, Lord, but it's the desire of my heart, Lord, to see you use Brother Marvin, Lord, as he preaches, that you give him the power and the authority as you gave the disciples, Lord. And Father God, that we would, as Christians, would fall on our faces, Lord, and worship you and surrender all to you because you are the almighty God, the one and only God of creation. We thank you for Jesus, Lord. We thank you that you hear us when we pray for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And we ask this morning that your word would speak. Use this time, Lord, for your honor and glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I'm thankful to be able to stand here this morning. And I realize that the only reason I can stand here this morning is because one day Jesus was willing to hang and die for us on a cross. If there had not been his death, there would be no life for us to have in Christ this morning. And I'm mindful of that. And I want to share with us this morning something that I had a complete different message. I had a plan. It tied into what I preached last time, and I'm going to get that laid out before I go be gone. And God totally changed my sermon around Thursday night. And how many of you believe and are thankful that as a country we have a day set aside called Memorial Day to honor and respect those who gave their life so we can have the life that we have as Americans. I am. And I, I, I looked at that, and, you know, there's a lot of times I think we don't need to bring those secular things into the church, and I'm prayerful and mindful that I want to keep the priority of Christ and the gospel and the kingdom. But I believe that America and to be able to live here is a blessing that comes straight from God, that you can see his hand upon us, and we need to realize that this is something that is a blessing that we need to look into. And this morning I have a message that is burdened on my heart, and I'm just burdened. I, I love the praise and the worship, and I'm going to miss that more than food, probably, being to hear that for the next few weeks. But this morning I was wanting it to end because I wanted to get up here. And I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. And Jesus tells us something here. He tells us in all three of the Gospels, the, the, except for John, he lays out the, what we call the communion meal, the Lord's Supper. And what's the intent of that, that he tells us to do this? He's telling, he, you know, I read this and this week God just touched me with this so deeply. I'm thankful for Christmas. And I hardly think that if you're a Christian, you ought to celebrate the birth of Jesus. You ought to be involved in it for the right reason. 
But Jesus didn't ask us anywhere in the scriptures, remember his birth. He didn't ask us to celebrate it on a regular basis even. And as much as I'm thankful for the resurrection, he didn't tell us to have a resurrection Sunday and Easter. He didn't tell us to, but we've declared both of those a holiday. I wholeheartedly agree that we should do those. But Jesus did tell us to remember his death. And he didn't say just remember it once a year for a holiday. He said remember it as often as you do it. How often is that? I think as often as you need to do it to remember what his death did for you. And we have a tendency to forget. And Jesus somehow came to the Apostle Paul and personally gave him this in the book that Paul writes. And it says in verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord, not from the other apostles, not from a Baptist church, from the Lord himself, that which I also delivered to you. You know what? When you receive something from the Lord, you better deliver it. He'll quit giving you stuff. If he's giving you something, you better give it away. That's why the gospel is not active in a lot of your lives. Because you've forgotten what it's done and how important it is. Look at what he says. For what I received from the Lord, which I delivered to you, that which the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, the night he was turned over to the hands of sinful men to falsely accuse him and ultimately crucify him. He says it. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, just like his body would soon be broken. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also says that in the Gospel of Luke's account. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup in the new covenant in my blood, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul adds to it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Friends, listen, it's important that we proclaim and teach the truths of the virgin birth. It's important that we continually remember that our God is alive, that he was resurrected from the dead and that he's ascended and he sits on the right hand of the throne of God, but we should never forget that the life we had could not be possible just because of the birth. There could be no resurrection until there was first a death. And not just a death, but a sacrifice. A death that was not easy. A death that was, should have not been necessary, but that it was necessary so that we could have the life of Christ. And so he says, do this in remembrance of me. You know, I think the reason that he asked us to take time as often as you do this, take the bread and remember thy broken body, that was the body that was used for your sacrifice, and my blood that was shed, is because you need to be reminded very often, regularly, that the life you get every day in Christ cost him his life cost the Father his only son. And I want to tie that today to Memorial Day, and I promise we're going to get on Memorial Day for a while, but we're coming back to the gospel, and we're going to tie it in right in with the Jesus and his sacrifice. And I want you to think about this this morning. 
And um, Brother Stephen, I want you to come up here. Memorial Day, I think, is misunderstood by a lot of us who really want to remember and honor it. But I know it's misunderstood by the younger generation when I look at America today. Memorial Day, yes, every veteran should be honored, and we should remember because they, they went, especially those who went and fought, and by the grace of God, they didn't give the greatest sacrifice. But this day is specifically for those who did give the greatest sacrifice. They gave their life. Memorial Day, I want to share with you just a little bit. Memorial Day, according to what you can study, and I got this off of Google, Wikipedia, which is even worse, <laughs> but I double-checked it. This is, and I, I'm going to give you some history. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in the United States for honoring and mourning the military, military personnel who have died in the performance of their military duties while serving the United States Armed Forces. Certainly, we're thankful for every veteran here today. But today is a specific day where you don't just, we got Veterans Day for that. But today is when we remember everyone who gave their life so that we can live this life of freedom. And it came to my mind that I can't have what I come to wake up every morning with, standing on the promises, living with the peace of God, living with the security that I have in Christ. If my security depended on America right now and what I see and watch around me, I would have no peace. But in the midst of chaos... And things that bring fear to my heart, God shows up and says, fear not, you're my child. You're standing Christ. If I loved you enough to die for you, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you, and I'm your help. And friends, I want you to think about this today. The greatest way you can honor those men that died for this country is to live a life, the life they died for this country to have to remember them and honor them, but to live your life every day as an American, realizing you have a responsibility to be a great American. The kind of American that helps the country instead of hurts the country. America needs a lot more givers and a lot less takers. I remember a president not long ago who was, that was assassinated the year I was born who said, think not what your country can do for you, but think what you can do for your country. Where is that gone? And I look at what I have experienced as an American and the American experience that has influenced me to be the American that I am. And the older I get, the more thankful I am for the veterans, the men and women who serve and give their lives to give me the life I've got to live. And the more I am as a Christian and I live, I'm thankful for the virgin birth. I love to study it. I love Christmas. I love the resurrection. It gives me hope of my resurrection. But what I'm beginning to see now, the greatest thing I can do for Christ now is to use the life that he gives me potential to have for his glory to live it the way he would want it lived. And I fear that a lot of the men that have given their lives would not want us to live the life the way a lot of people in America are choosing for us to live. They would not choose the path that many of our leaders are trying to bring us down. And one of the greatest ways, I want to just share this, I brought Stephen up here, a young man who I'm thankful for, who wants to serve his country, who serves Jesus already. 
and to say the Pledge of Allegiance. But not just say it, give allegiance to this flag and what it stands for and what it means. We give in a time where that's forgotten. I don't know where you came from in America, but the America I come from, when I was from first grade, we didn't have kindergarten yet. We didn't need it back then. We had good teachers. (laughs) Mama got us ready for first grade. Imagine that. But when you got to class from the first grade all the way to the ninth grade, Madisonville Junior High, you were sitting in the class and a speaker came on an intercom and it was our principal, Leroy James. Mr. Leroy James came on and said, good morning. He said a prayer. He didn't get nobody to say it. He said it. And every day somebody got picked to go into the office and lead over the intercom the Pledge of Allegiance. And when it came on, you already knew. You stood up. And we stood next to our desk, and over our blackboard was a little flag. And every one of us put our hand on our heart. And together, our whole school said, and say it with me this morning, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Brother Stephen, put that back, and I want you to just sit down. I want you to explain what that says. I pledge allegiance to the flag, but not the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the United States for which it stands. The republic of all our states together, united. And what does it say? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. Not 50 states. 50 individual states that make one nation that is under God. Reagan said, if we ever forget to be under a nation, if we ever cease to be a nation under God, we will cease to be a nation. And it says, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The men who died for this country, at least the ones I think a long time ago for sure, they died for that kind of country. They died for what that stands for. And when you disrespect the flag, you disrespect the United States of America. I don't care what anybody says. And when you disrespect America and the flag, you disrespect these men who we remember today in honor who died. I want you to look at some things with me here. If you ever wonder about what it costs for America, this is a picture of Arlington National Cemetery. It's in right out in it's in Arlington, Virginia, right across the river from Washington D.C. Look at it. Every Memorial Day there's a flag put on every one of those. Do you know that there's over 400,000 four 100,000 American soldiers, men and women, who died in battle, not counting others in that cemetery. It's 624 acres of sacred land that is a vivid reminder that there is a cost for our freedom, a price that was paid. And those men gave their life Some didn't get to get married. They didn't get to have children. They didn't get to celebrate Christmas. 
and many people lost their loved ones so that we can all get to do that or choose not to do it. <laughs> and friends, I want you to think about this. This right here is a picture of D-Day, Normandy. Why are you bringing that up? Look at those pit, their kids. Look at those faces. The average age was between 18 and 19. That's a boatload of Stevens and Sams and Justices and Aidens. And they went to a beach in a place called Normandy. And they got in those boats. And when they dropped the gates, if you go read and study, the first wave that dropped the gate and charged the ferociousness of hell and Nazism, 90% of them didn't survive today. But one wave after another kept charging for America, freedom, and liberty, not only for us, but the world. And they kept doing it at the cost of great bloodshed. And they took that beach. <laughs> and today, because of men like that, we speak English still instead of German. This is another picture you're very familiar with. This was on the other front against Japan. That's the picture of Iwo Jima. That right there is the picture we're all familiar with, but that's not the original picture, nor the men who raised that flag. That picture was inspired by the photographer who watched the men actually do that. Have you ever seen it and heard about this and read the movie? There's a movie even. But those men that raised that, he got a Pulitzer Prize. They, they made a monument, a statue of it. It's at Arlington National Park. But that's the original. He took that one. He never used that one. He made a better. But you know, I, out of those seven men, three days later, when they wanted to make the new picture, three of them were no longer among us. Three of those men died in that battle. You know, in our mind, that's Iwo Jima. They're raising the flag, and what's the significance of that? Well, man, those men who had their life on the line in the heat of battle thought so much of America and the flag that they were willing to raise it at the cost of life. And guys, what do you think that meant to China? I mean, to Japan? You ever thought about it? Well, I check things out. I'm kind of weird. I like history. Do you know that's the first time that we were actually on what would have considered imperial homeland soil? To a Japanese, that's the first time that the battle was happening on their land. <laughs> Even though it was a little island, it was considered homeland Japan. And guess what we told them? The Americans are here. <laughs> and you're not going to take our freedom. And because of that, and men like that. Now today, we got men who gave their life to raise that flag. Today, we got boys, and I call them boys who won't even stand to honor that flag. Now I want to ask you a question today. You've seen those 18-year-old boys. I hate to think if we had to go against China today in the future of my America and life as we know it was dependent on the 18-year-olds that I've been watching. Those boys went and they willingly chose to go for something. Why would they go? Because they believed in an America that was worth dying for. 
And friends, nothing should change us more to try to be a better American. I'm fully believing that when they were in the heat of combat, I bet Brother John and any man in here who has been in combat would testify to this. They weren't looking at each other in that boat thinking, I wonder if he's a Democrat. I wonder if he's a Republican. I wonder if he's liberal. I wonder if he's a conservative. I wonder, they weren't even wondering as important as this is. I wonder if he's a Catholic or if he's a Protestant. What kept them willing to do it was their patriotic allegiance to America overranked their political agenda for America. But today, Americans, even in our leadership, seem to be more motivated and more concerned about a political agenda than a patriotic allegiance. And I'm not ashamed to say I pledge allegiance to that flag. I believe you ought to say it. I believe you ought to honor it because I want to honor the men who still give us the right to let that flag wave here in the land of the free, the home of the brave. Have you ever really read and studied the national anthem? Do you know how we got it? The man who wrote it, Francis Scott Key, he wrote it in the heat of battle in the middle of the defense of Fort McHenry. Fort McHenry on American soil was being bombarded by the English and the American flag was standing. And as the night went through, listen what he says. Oh, it's a question. There's a question mark on that. It's not a statement. He says, oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming. What he's meaning, as the sun went down, that flag was standing at the twilight's last gleaming. And then as it went through the night, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight over the ramparts, that's the bunkers we watched, they were still so gallantly streaming. They were standing. And the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air over the land gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Friends, all through the night of that heated battle, what his eye was on was that flag. And listen, the last verse. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave. That's a question mark in the original writer. And today I want to ask you, how long will it still wave? How long will it land over the land of the free? As long as we're the home of the brave. And when we cease to be the home of the brave, we will cease to be the land of the free. And how brave do we have to be? We have to have enough people brave enough to die for us, the flag, and what it stands for to be an American. And that scares me to death. So I'm thankful today that I get back to the greater news. I might be an American, but more than that, I'm a child of God. I'm a member of the kingdom. And as great as the sacrifice is of all of our American military who gave their life so that we could have this life, it does not compare to the sacrifice of a piece of property that's even more sacred than Arlington National Cemetery. It's a place called Calvary. And listen, when Paul began to look, who wrote and said, I received this from Christ. Christ told me to do this in remembrance of me. Remember my body. Remember my sacrifice. Remember my shed blood. Remember my death. Paul, because of what Christ did, Christ died for him. This is what Paul says. He says, for now the love of Christ compels me 
The, new, the old King James says, it constraineth me. What's that mean? It literally means it controls me. That's what some of the newer translations says. Paul says, now the love of Christ compels, it constrains, it controls me. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. And look at what he says. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all of us died. Man, if Jesus died for you and you've accepted that, you're no longer the same. It should change you. And he died for all. Why did Jesus die for all? For those of us who now live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for us. Guys, that same principle ties into here. You know, because all of these men and women who died for us for an American cause to stand up for what America really is, not what somebody else determines it to be, but what the Constitution and history proves it to be, we should strive to live a life that honors them, that, that turns this country into that. But listen, never forget, the only reason we had that kind of country, the only reason we got those victories is because the hand of God was favoring us. It was on us. We were the greatest experiment for the gospel that any nation's ever seen. And he died for us that those who live, Paul said, we, should, we no longer live for ourselves, but now we live for the one who died and rose again. Listen what else he said. He said, because of that, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I can't live for me anymore when I look at it and I remember and I meditate and I contemplate and I study the scriptures and I look at the ramifications and the influence and the impact and the difference that death gave me life. And without that life there is, that death there is no life. And now the unbelievable thing is now because he died, he lives in me. His sacrifice has marked us. It has impacted us. And the life that he said, I now live in the flesh. <laughs> I live by faith in the Son of God. And look at what he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. Guys, the impact of that should leave us this morning with an overwhelming desire to use this life in a way that would please him, that would honor him, that would cause us to want to let others know. We shouldn't be ashamed of his cross. We should be proud to share the cross and its message. Why are we so fearful to give it away? Why are we so apprehensive to stand in the cross and speak the gospel of our God and our Savior? We got to be brave. Listen to this sold song we sing. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my journey's at last I lay by. I will cling to the old rugged cross, man, and exchange it someday for a crown. Guys, there's no crown without a cross. There's no life without a death. And guys, listen, we can never forget 
a place called Calvary, a hill where the Son of God died and suffered, not only physically, but spiritually. Look what they did to him. They beat him. They shamed him. They put a crown of thorns on him. They spit on him. They stripped him naked. But worse than that, the Father put his wrath for all of our sin on him. For the first time in eternity, the triune, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit experienced what we should have experienced because of our sin. We should be eternally separated. We should have been separated from God. We should feel God's forsakenness because of what we deserve. Jesus, who never sinned, who was perfect and holy and without blemish, and the Son of God, His own Son, He hung on the cross. And in a moment in time, the eternal triune, the second one in the Trinity, the Son of the living God, said to the Father, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why did he say that? Because the Father put the sin of the world on him. He took it on himself, and he couldn't look at Jesus while he died for us on that cross. And that is something that ought to change our life. Memorial Day ought to change our life. It ain't for eating hot dogs and swimming and playing. It's for remembering that the life you get to do, go do those things, but don't forget what made it possible. The life in Christ is for enjoying life, but enjoying it in a way that honors Christ. But it's also for serving Christ, and a good American serves America, and a good Christian serves the Christian anarchy. And friends, listen, we got too many people that just want everything they can get from America. But we got to get some more Americans that remember that for America to continue to be the land of the free, the home of the brave, we got to have people that are willing to give more than what a lot of us seem to want to give. And for the kingdom of God to advance forward, for it to accomplish God's agenda, we got to be more committed, and we can't be divided. Jesus said a kingdom that's divided cannot stand. I don't know about y'all, but I'll go share the gospel, I'll go witness, I'll go worship, and I'll serve with anybody for Jesus that has a heart for burden, for lost souls, who wants to share the good news of Jesus. I don't care if he's Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational, if he's preaching the gospel, if he loves Jesus, if he's got a burden for this world, I'm with him. Amen, we brothers and sisters. In America, I'm not here to say we should condone other political agendas. But we got to get past letting that determine what makes us Americans again. What makes me a Christian is not where I go to church, it's who I know. What makes me an American is not my political agenda or my political affiliation. It's the fact that I was born on this soil I've been blessed with the ability to live on this soil and I have a responsibility to what made this life possible to keep it going for the next generation. Same with Christ. I have a responsibility. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He said, if I preach the gospel, I don't have nothing to brag about. For woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Friends, listen. Preaching the gospel is how we fight. It's how we carry on the flag. It's how we keep the flag standing. And how do you do that? I want you to think right quick with me. And we're fixing the clothes, I promise. 
So what's the response to what Christ did for us? First, let me tell you what Christ did for you. Turn with me to Romans 5, and look at what Paul says. See, Paul's sharing the heart that made him say, I, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Because Paul was overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus died for him to have and changed him from where he used to be. Look at what it says. This is some great stuff. It's so encouraging. Look at what he says. He says in verse 5, Now hope does not disappoint. Boy, ain't it good <laughs> to have hope? Hope never disappoints because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Why was it possible for God to put the Holy Spirit in us again? Because when we were still without strength, we didn't have the strength of the Holy Spirit. We didn't have any spiritual strength. Why? He says, look at that verse. He says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us when we were ungodly without strength. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, which means while we were ungodly, without spiritual strength, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified, declared not guilty, as if I've never sinned by his blood that he shed, we shall be saved from the wrath of him. I believe that's why Jesus told us to remember this as often as you need to. And look at what he goes on and says. Much more, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more now, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. I'm not going to hell. Hallelujah, Jesus. But I have a relationship with God that is real. It's in my heart. It's a gift. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus made it possible. He washed me with his blood. And now I'm reconciled with God. What is the response to that? When you get to chapter 12, look at what Paul says. I beseech you therefore, brethren. I beg you, that means brethren. That's us. The brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, how do you give back what God gave to you? Jesus gave you everything. He died. You present your body as a living sacrifice. How often do you do that? Every day. Whenever need be. What's a living sacrifice look like? It's holy and it's acceptable to God. Look what Paul said. He says, this is your reasonable service. How's that happen to a person? The verse below it says, be not conformed to this world, you're not here anymore. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Nothing honors Jesus more than when you're transformed by his truth and you allow him to take your life and you become a living sacrifice for him. Do we do it perfectly? We never will. But every time you do do it for him, it honors him. It helps carry on the cause we stand and bring the battle, as we said, to the Lord, and he battles with us. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but 
I thank God sometimes for things in my life that make me examine and see what makes life worth living, that makes life valuable. And you know, I've taken the Lord's Supper many, many times, and I've never taken it where I didn't get blessed. But today as we take it, I want it to be a vivid reminder that Jesus told us to do this, not the church, not religion. Jesus himself, Paul said, I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he blessed it. And he said, take this and eat it in remembrance of me and my body which was broken. Then he says, in the same manner, he took the cup and he said, drink this in remembrance of me. This is my shed blood, shed for the new covenant. He said to drink that blood, that cup as a reminder. And guys, listen, Paul says something there, and I used to take it and think, Man, you can't be in sin. You can't be in sin. Man, have you ever taken the Lord's Supper when you was perfectly not in sin? I'm a sinner. i got to stand up here at ministry. And he is talking about if you are in bad sin, you need to deal with that today. Because Jesus made accommodations for you if you're in sin today and you're a Christian. He said if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. You know, he does that with his blood. But that's not primarily what he's talking about because look at what he says if you go back to where we started out. When you get to verse 26, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So what's he mean when he says to do it in an unworthy manner? Forget what it's about. It's to honor and to remember that Jesus' death gave you life. You're never going to be perfectly without sin, I hate to tell you, because you've got a heart like everybody else that is corrupted. It's in the process of being fixed, but it's still wayward. Look at what he says. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Friends, today... If you just drink this lightly and take it and you don't let yourself examine your heart and realize that everything that we have in Jesus came because of his death, then you're forgetting why we do it. This is not something to take lightly. It's not a religious sac. This is a God's asked us to do this himself. And when we take this, we should reflect, we should think, we should remember what Jesus said. Remember he died. The same thing tomorrow when we get up. If we just run through the day, oh good, I don't have to go to work. I got a day off paid. Oh man, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And we forget that the reason we get that blessing is because men gave their lives. We have forgotten and we unworthily celebrate that. Today, to not take time to realize that Jesus' death is probably the most important thing he's done for us. He died in our place. Today we're going to have two deacons come up. I'm going to bless this and you're going to get it. It's different than we usually do it. I promise this is the last time we're doing it. As far as I'm concerned, I got power over COVID. Amen? COVID is gone from my life. I don't know about you. 
And the next time I do this, we're doing it the way we're doing it. We're going to do it the way that we've always done it. But for now, we've already bought these. But I'll tell you a story while they're getting here before we pray and bless it. I'd ask Miss Barbara to get these kind because last time we all had trouble. Y'all remember that? This time, the bread is at the bottom. It's separate. Open the bread first. You can't open the wine because it's on the other side. Get your bread out first. We'll bless the bread, then we'll take the bread, and then turn your cup over and open your wine. It almost really was wine. I said, Miss Barbara, I found these, and I want you to order this kind. They'll open better. She called me in the office and said, Brother Marvin, these are so much more expensive. I said, how much are they? I said, well, I looked at them. They don't cost that much. We was fixing to order them, and we realized it was real wine. We was fixing to get really serious. But all kidding aside, that wouldn't have mattered near as much as the motive, your attitude, your heart, and how you receive this in your spirit today has more to do with God is honored than if it's wine or juice. <laughs> and so today I want to tell you as they hand this out to you and you're getting it and we prepare that I don't know of a better way to honor Jesus than to honor his greatest gift, his sacrifice for us. And I don't know of a better way to honor America and our servicemen who gave their life for us so that we could have this life today. As they're handing this out, I'm going to wait till everybody gets it. And then we're going to bless the bread. And we're going to take the bread together in remembrance of his broken body that was given for us. The body of that perfect lamb, sinless, without blemish. everyone takes their bread we take a moment to reflect on what the scripture says father we thank you for the broken body of the lamb of god the sinless son your only son who you gave for us so that we should not perish but have eternal life lord we thank you father for that and jesus we thank you for being willing take that cup and die for us and so we bless this in the name of Jesus and we pray it honors you and it helps us to remember what you did for us on Calvary's cross Amen. and then he said in like manner that Jesus took the cup he said take this and drink of this this is my blood shed for the 
forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of you. Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lamb of God that is able to take away the sins of the world, that washes us and cleanses us. Lord, we thank you for his willingness to die, to shed his blood. We thank you that because of the shed blood, there is forgiveness available to everyone who believes it. And as we drink this now, we do this in remembrance, Jesus, and thank you. In Christ we pray, amen. I know today we're going to leave. I know it's went over a little bit. But I'm not going to get to preach for y'all for a little while. <laughs> but all kidding aside, before we leave, we never want to have a service like this without letting somebody know Jesus didn't just die for everyone in the world. He died for you. If it had only been you, he'd have died. Today, if you've never been saved, I'm going to ask you before we leave just to come up here and sit right there. I know of no greater way that we ever honor him in his death than when we receive it and we trust it. And we admit we can't save ourselves, Jesus, so we come to you. Today, before we leave, if there's anybody here, just hold your hand up. We will pray for you. I mean, do you need to come? And I'm going to ask everybody else. The next best way is to go live our life for him. To be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And go let others know about what he's done for us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to let Brother Kyle, if you don't mind, close us in prayer this morning, brother. There's a mic right here. And bless our offering. And I don't know about y'all, but the longer I walk, the more I realize that life is so precious. And there's nothing more precious you ever give away than life. And what a blessing that people are willing to do that so we have what we have. God bless you. See y'all soon. Oh, God, what an honor and a blessing just to partake in the remembrance of you and all you've done for us. And the Lord's Supper today, Father, we just thank you for that blessing that you've allowed us to partake of today. And God, as far as this offering, Father, I just pray that whatever is given today, Father, is, is given out of a cheerful heart, the way you tell us to give. And God, I pray that you take whatever it is and you multiply it. And God, I pray that it is sent out to wherever you, you would have it sent. And God, just please continue to work in this church God, whatever programs and places this money is to go for, Father, I just pray that you have already gone before it. And God, you make the way for it. And God, I pray that it produces whatever you're wanting it to produce. And so, Father, I just pray again for Pastor Marvin, God. What a wonderful message today. And Father, we are so thankful for you sending your son to go to that cross willingly, to lay down his life willingly so that we may have life in the abundance. So God, I pray when we walk out of this door today that we're not ashamed of the gospel. I pray that when we walk out of this door today, somebody hears the good news because everybody needs good news. And so God, help us to be bold. Help us to be strong. Help us to be courageous. Help us to live that life 
that you've called us to live. Help us to be that ambassador of yours that you have called us to be. Help us to be a warrior. Because, God, this kingdom needs warriors. And so, Father, give us strength. Give us boldness to live out who we say we are. And, God, I know that your word makes a difference in people's lives. And so, God, have your way in this church. God, just flat out heal Pastor Marvin before he even has to go have the surgery. And we'll praise you for that. But God, just do what you do in our lives, Father. And I pray that we bring you honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.